0: Welcome to a football show, Thursday edition. His name is Zach Lyons. My name is Braden Gall. We are brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. You can get to me at twitter.com, at Braden Gall, of course, across the 440 Sports Network. If you'd like to give us a subscription, please, please do so on the 440 Sports YouTube page. Lots of Titans coverage up there. Football and other F-words, hot read podcasts, all kinds of SEC content as well. So if you care about football in the state of Tennessee and in the South, Come on over, give us a subscription. We would really, really appreciate it. Yes, Donnie, let's go. On the show today, of course, we'll build the game plan for the Houston Texans, which I honestly, they have a the Titans have a very good chance at winning the game on Sunday. Uh, and if they play the way they did against Miami, we'll win the game on Sunday. So we'll talk about the matchup with the Houston Texans who are very, very injured uh, as we speak. Of course, we'll we'll get into a little bit more uh, about Harold Landry. what does his resurgence mean? Is he answering one of those questions that Zach, you and I have been asking about this team that they need to answer over the course of the last half of the season? Is he answering one of those questions? We'll talk some Harold Landry as well. I'll quickly give you my Heisman ballot and you can kind of pick it apart, Zach, as you see fit. Uh, Wins and winning games and the value of winning games, uh, not just for fans, but also for the team itself versus draft slot. We'll get into that. Uh, Oilers versus Texans. Yes, I'm sorry. I apologize, Sean. You're correct. It is the Oilers versus Texans the Texans. He's a uh, Texans fan. He's just
1: being triggered by the use of Oilers,
0: which is totally fine. I understand that maybe you should have given him some money to build a stadium in 1995. I don't know. Um, and, and then of course, I think one of the, the things that we did not discuss a lot on Monday's night show, following the, the epic win over Miami about Will Levis is sort of what, what are the most important traits that he is displaying from a leadership standpoint that maybe we didn't talk about. We've, we've mentioned in his scouting report before, But I think there's a conversation, a longer conversation to be had about that. So lots of stuff to do on the show today. Zach, how are you, sir? Been good. Ready to rock and roll. My voice is already gone. I didn't know know, uh, you were going to be drinking. My voice being uh, shot in in the fourth minute of the show is a a bad sign. Uh, It's a bad sign. Uh, That's what that is. Uh, No. Okay. So Sinkers Beverages, of course, uh, and the Kingston Group are two great sponsors. Please support local businesses in Nashville. Um, obviously if you were in the Hendersonville area, the Madison area, the Clarksville area support some of those businesses, if you can be smart about how you help out with the tornado stuff, bluegrass beverages, the proud sponsor of football and other efforts took a little bit of damage, uh, over the weekend. And we're thinking about all the families and the people up there, Zach, I know you guys were sort of kind of in the middle of it as well. So, um, just make sure, you know, you support good local business, use local companies, uh, throughout this whole entire recovery process and sinkers and bluegrass is a great way to do that uh, so make sure you check them out back-to-back national or i guess city champs uh sinkers beverages best liquor store in the city two years in a row and kingston group also an award-winning company custom home and remodeling firm so go get your booze from sinkers and go fix your house with kingston group there you go uh okay so let's get started with with will levis <laughs> any word or sorry let's talk i'm gonna get you my heisman vote out of the way first any word on nico <laughs> i'm sorry i'm so thrown off by the Nico comment there. Um we'll get to that in a second. So do you have a guess as to what I voted on for the Heisman Trophy? I know we're a couple of days late, but the Monday night game was more important.
1: Oh man. I, I would I I would say Bo Nix, Jaden
0: Daniels, then Brock Bowers. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I like that. That's an interesting order. Uh I went Jaden Daniels one. I voted Jaden Daniels number one. That's surprising
1: because, I mean, like, two weeks before the vote, you were just like, oh, well, wins matter and games matter and (laughs) someone's not playing on Saturday and someone is. Blah, 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 blah. You were trying to – and then you said that Bo Nix was so much better than Jaden Daniels and all this stuff. And I was just like, I don't know. Jaden Daniels is just the best player in college football, it seems. So glad to know
0: that I was right. I had them dead – and this is what's weird. It's kind of like Texas and Alabama in the playoff. Like their resumes were identical, right? Like both 12 and one, both conference champions, the top two strengths of schedule, the resumes were largely identical. And what the committee says, when the, when the, when the resumes are identical, head to head is the tiebreaker. And the committee said, Texas head to head, they go three, Alabama four. I had Jane Daniels and Bo Nix as essentially the committee had Texas and Alabama. They were basically even in my mind going into the PAC 12 championship game. And had Bo Nix figured out a way to do something magical that night, that would have been the tiebreaker for me between the two. And not because I haven't watched all the games, because we know some voters have not, but because I watched all 25 games that they both played. I thought they were basically even and that Jaden Daniels was just a little bit more outstanding and that Bo Nix didn't win that championship. And that championship would have put him over the top in my mind. So I voted yes. This is actually true. Ed is correct on this. I, 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 I. I'm, I'm lying to you, all of you. My ballot was number one, NWI, number two, Jaden Daniels, number three, Bo Nix. That was the order uh, of my ballot. No, number one, Jaden Daniels, number two, Bo Nix, and not Brock Bowers. Although I think he might be the best football player in America. Well, you had brought
1: up Brock, but the only reason I said that is because you brought up Brock Bowers unprompted on the Thursday show. And I'm thinking, like... Why would you even bring in Brock Bowers as an example unless you were thinking about voting for him?
0: This is this is the Will Levis shoulder fake. That's what that was. <laughs> That's what that was. Um had Brock Bowers stayed healthy the entire year and put up those numbers the entire year, I might have voted him number one. Um and I do think Marvin Harrison and Brock Bowers are the two best players in the country this this season. And maybe, maybe even, you know, Olu is number three. Like, but those guys don't win. I voted Jalen Milrow number three. He was uh, unstoppable against Georgia in key moments. He was unstoppable against Tennessee in the second half, unstoppable against Kentucky on the road, unstoppable against Ole Miss at home, unstoppable against Texas A&M on the road. After the Texas game, which was his second start, he became the most unstoppable, one of the most unstoppable players in college football, not named Jaden Daniels. And I thought he earned his way into the mix. And I'm willing to bet you, Zach, that he will be the number one favorite and front runner for the Heisman for next year.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Even though it's kind of weird, I get into the, you know, occasionally I like to just mess around with uh, mock drafts, the mock draft machines and everything, just to kind of get, like, names that I may not be familiar with to put on the list to watch and know and all this kind of stuff. I like to get ahead of the game. Yep. And then I see Jalen Milrow keep popping up on PFF mock drafts machine and PFN's mock draft machine. I'm thinking... Do they know something that we don't? Because I don't think that Jalen Milrose entering the NFL draft this year.
0: I don't think he can, uh, but yeah. maybe I'm wrong on that. I, I know he's a second year player, unless he's a redshirt sophomore, in which he, in which case he could. But um, I, I would argue he is probably your front runner going into next year. And I mean, again, Michael I would, Vick,
1: I would think that he would do himself favors by going back next year. Yeah, uh, in he's multiple ways.
0: Michael Vick, Jr., uh, he's sort of a Michael Jr. Michael Vick light. Um, that first three steps is incredible. It's incredible. And the way he managed critical moments, I thought was spectacular for the season and, and, uh, we'll see what happens in the playoff, but that's my ballot. I, you know, I wish it wasn't all quarterbacks, but uh, you know, it's kind of the nature of the game. Otherwise you want me to vote for like, should I have voted Marvin Harrison one, cr- you know, Joe alt two and, and, and like an, an NC state linebacker, Peyton Wilson three like is that what I'm supposed to do like I, I don't know I, I wish it was I wish there was a more dominant defensive player to have put on my ballot because I always try to put a defensive player on the ballot but couldn't do it so there you go interesting. there you have it just very interesting there you have it okay I like
1: it I, I agree with your assessment of the top three
0: okay I like that I appreciate that uh no Michael Penix on my ballot
1: mainly because I was right but that's, that's <laughs> mainly.
0: well I thought he was going to win it either way And I thought, I I did not expect Penix to be that far ahead of Knicks, actually, in the voting. But that's neither here nor there. So uh, I assume they a lot of people voted on him because he won the the Pac-12 championship at the end. So uh, I think we could trim the sales on the 900 votes. I think it could get down to about 600 and make sure that all 600 are watching every game. I think that would be good. Um, But otherwise, wanted to get that out of the way here today because we did not have a chance to talk about it on Monday. But congratulations, third third. Heisman Trophy winner for LSU, Joe Burrow, Jaden Daniels, Billy, Billy Cannon back in 1959. He was on 90% of the ballots, which is the seventh most uh, percentage of all time. So um, there you go. Uh, there you go. There's Jaden Daniels. Congratulations, LSU. All right. So Will Levis. I, I think one of the things that um, was very obvious to my wife on Monday night, <laughs> who and my daughters, who like when he comes off the field, like he was so angry. At himself for the for the the pitch, right? Like he was a little off on the pitch. Derrick Henry should have fallen on it, but Will Levis probably not a great pitch. You could see the, the the passion on on the sideline that that was like you could see it was hard for him to contain, right? And then my wife has lots of things to say because she didn't see it until the next day because she fell asleep early. So she watched it the next day, and I was showing the kids and 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 my wife what happened at the end of the game. And Will Levis, takes his, when he takes his helmet off after the second touchdown drive to take the lead, 28-27, and he takes his helmet off and is losing his shit as he heads to Mike Vrabel and the, the bear hug and the high fives on the sideline because he's so fired up. Even my wife was like, whoa, <laughs> like what is that guy doing? And there's certain players that play the game that way. Phillip Rivers comes to mind, right? Phillip Rivers is a guy, right. very very emotional player, totally fine, made him Probably better, right? Then there's the opposite of that. One guy was here, Marcus Mariota. But let's say Eli Manning, who's won two Super Bowls. Has Eli Manning ever had an emotional moment on a football field in his entire life? <laughs> I can't think of one. So I want to ask you, um, I, I, I don't think there's one way to be a great leader. I think there's many, many, many ways to be a great leader. I think the most important thing for Will Levis, from a leadership standpoint, is to be authentic. That is the most important thing. Don't try to be something you're not. Don't try to... Yes, does he need to hone it and harness it and point it in the right direction? Sure. But I I think it's wrong to make Marcus Mariota a yelling and screaming guy. I think it's wrong to make Will Levis a quiet lead-by-example guy. I think you got to take what the guy is, and and authenticity is the most important part of his game right now from a leadership standpoint.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would think that authenticity and, and leadership tend to go hand in hand in the on, in the football world. Uh, I think football players can suss out pretty inauthentic people for the most part can look at players that, you know, they, they, they even if you're a nice guy and you're not that they, there are, cause there are multiple ways to lead. Even if you're a nice guy, as long as you're being authentic about it, you know, that that's really all that matters. And it's, and I I think, though, while there's multiple ways to be a leader, I think in the sports world, the best examples of of player, the, the players that you think of as the top, top, top of their game are driven competitors. In an insane way. I mean, it does not mean just quarterbacks. I mean, think about, like, the def- defenders. Ed Reed, Ray Lewis are two guys that immediately pop into my mind. Even uh, Terrell Suggs pops into my mind. You know, and they're all Ravens, crazily enough. It's just that <laughs> those defenses were just so damn good, Yeah, but they were good because of the personalities and the talent that they had on the defensive side of the ball. So yes, there are different ways to to be a leader, but I think your most effective leaders in professional sports, and not necessarily they. I I don't know if I classify everybody that falls into this competitor category as a leader. Maybe it's just an infectious energy or a motivator, but they 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 keep you in the game, right? Like we just saw Tajay Spears. I don't know if you have had a chance to watch the clip, but he was mic'd up for the Miami Dolphins. I game. saw a little bit and of it, yeah all he did for five minutes was talk and motivate. And even before the game, him and will Levis said, we're going to fucking win this game. And then like in the middle of the game and they're still down, right? They're down. When he looks at will Levis and says, I told you we were going to win this game and we're going to win this game. And like, he's talking and, and no disrespect to Henry, but there is a stark contrast in this video of Tajay Spears on the sideline and Derek Henry with headphones yeah. in looking yeah. at his little Microsoft surface tablet. Yeah. And, and, I mean, Tajay Spears was everywhere, and Will Levis is kind of like a little overshadowed by Tajay Spears until the very end. But it's 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 about Will Levis's Arden Key really respects Will Levis's leadership style, really respects his energy, and has helped fostering that because Arden Key is a similar type player. Yeah, in that regard, they have that energy and everything. And I think when you're in Situations like this, when you're a young team, but in losing situations, you need people to look for on each side of the ball in all phases in every position group. There needs to be that guy. Not everybody has to be that guy, but there needs to be a Tajay Spears. There needs to be. A an energy, an energy guy. An energy guy. There needs to be an energy guy. I don't know who that is in a wide receiver room. You would assume DeAndre Hopkins, but he doesn't seem like a very much of a high energy guy, at least in front of the cameras. But we don't know what he is in the locker room. But there needs to be that guy. Ziz Al Arden Key, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, and then the so, defensive backs so, I feel are a little lacking in that. So, so like, th- kind of th-
0: just this is perfect because I think DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry are virtually identical personality types from a from like a leadership standpoint. They are not ru-rah-rah, outward energy, get you up out of your chair. Now, I also think that those types of leaders are important for certain moments in certain types of games. Like it doesn't, every every game moment doesn't always call for the energy guy. And, and so I think while like in that moment, and this is where I think we're going to get to this in a second about like winning versus the draft pick. But in that moment, Harold Landry has already said this week, We didn't know that. I didn't know that about Will Levis. Like, everybody knows his competitive nature. Like, we know his drive, and we know he's fine. but, like, he said that they went out there in that final drive to get a stop with a minute 45 to go, knowing – and, like, he was like, man, I I didn't necessarily know that about him. And I'm – he's learning in the moment about his own quarterback, and it helped him go out on the field. And, of course, he ends up with a big – a couple big plays on that final drive, Harold Landry did. So, in that moment, it was what the team needed. In that moment, it was clearly a celebration and a catharsis and a and a motivation at the same time, all working together. But in that moment, it's what they needed. I think if you if you're faking that shit, I think that's when it doesn't work, no matter what type of leader you are. But I think Hopkins is a different type of leader to Will Levis, right? He comes over and he's gonna get he's gonna give him the the talking to that's a little quieter, that's on the sideline. Or hey, even after the game, he's like, we still got a lot to work on, right? Like he, I I don't think that makes him any less of a leader. I just think that type of leadership comes at a different type of the game and maybe a different type of situation. But I think most importantly through all of this is don't make DeAndre Hopkins something he's not. Don't make Derrick Henry something he's not. He's a, he's not any less good of a player because he's a little quieter, you know. Don't he's just make less Will a good
1: player cuz he's old.
0: Right, exactly, exactly. Which is pretty standard for old people in the NFL. Um but like don't the the key here is don't try to make Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, like don't try to do that. You the the let Will Levis be Will Levis. Now, I guess also ultimately not a dick,
1: and I think that kind of helps. Like in this yeah, whole energy yeah. discussion, because Johnny Manziel obviously had energy, right? Baker Mayfield rubbed people the wrong way with his energy and right. attitude, but they're also they also come off as dicks. Like <laughs> they come off as dickheads. Will Levis has never came off really like a dickhead in yep. anything, and I'm sure. You don't get voted the the leadership or the captain position that he did when he got into Kentucky if you're a dickhead.
0: Yes, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I uh, agree. Good lesson, life lesson for everybody. Don't be a dick. Uh, brought to you by yeah. Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. <laughs> um, I do think it's – I will ask you this. Do you think that if all things are even, two quarterbacks are identical, same size, same speed, same accuracy, same mental acumen, decision-making, just say two guys are made in a laboratory identically, but on the Madden meter, you you've moved up the rah rah thing to to like a hundred, and then you drop the other one to like eighty or whatever. Is is that guy automatically better for a football team?
1: I, I think I think theoretically, that guy is automatically better for a football team because a football team they as long as the authenticity matches the passion, right? Sure, I, I do. Now, does that mean that necessarily that he's the better passer? Does that necessarily mean that he's, uh right? you know, the, the faster runner or the more powerful arm? No, but I do think, like, you go back to the San Francisco 49ers, and Brock Purdy may not seem like a rah-rah guy that comes to mind, but he came in and everybody fucking saw that this dude has it. Like, they saw it. They saw his passion. They saw his drive. They saw his willingness to to learn, to work, and saw it. And look where it got him. And he was a seventh-round draft pick. You talk about a sixth-round draft pick and Tom Brady. These guys that maybe are often overlooked in the draft can be better. Like, okay, look at Jameis Winston versus Marcus Mariota. That's a good example of two diametrically different personalities, right? Drafted in the same draft. Wildly different, and they both flamed out, and they both have the sh- same type of leadership skills. So leadership, or they have the polar, yeah. yeah. polar opposite leadership skills. They're polar opposites. I meant polar opposite in personality yeah. and leadership. Yeah. And they still both flamed out. So, well, I think uh it was Ed Henry said in the comments that like winning helps all of that. So like it's a it's a that's maybe played into the Johnny Manziel thing, but there's also off field stuff. I think w- which we don't see what we hear about, but what we don't see that they see every day is the hard work that a certain player puts in Yeah, the work in the offseason that a certain player puts in match that with a good attitude, with a competitive attitude, with good leadership, high energy and winning. You have a recipe for success. Like it all kind of works together, but even in the trying times, like they were, with uh will levis at the start you know going through that thing i was fine that he was still showing that he cared that he still had passion and a loss and i said that even in a good even in a loss it could be a good loss because everybody bands together and that's what you're seeing
0: yeah so pbk says you take the fiery competitive guy and i think that's ultimately one of my biggest points here is that fiery competitive aren't the same they're not connected will levis is fiery and competitive joe do you, are you telling me that joe montana was not competitive Like Joe Montana is one of the coolest, calmest, most collected dudes who can walk into the huddle of a Super Bowl and be like, Hey, look, you guys see John Candy in the, in the, in the, in the stands. Cause he knows his team needs to take a breath in that moment. And that's called leadership. So your leadership doesn't have to come in the form of slamming your helmet and yelling and screaming in guys' faces. Being a competitor is not tied to being fiery. Deandre Hopkins is a dog. (laughs) Like Deandre Hopkins is an absolute monster competitor. He is not a fiery personality type. It's just He's just not. And that's, I think, ultimately, what I'm getting at with Will Levis is I, I do think it's a benefit to the team that he has that type of intensity. It is a, It is clear that we kind of always knew that he had that competitive spirit, which you have to have. You have to love the game. Jake Locker didn't love the game, right? So you have to love the game. But ultimately, I think the most important point is his fieryness, his fiery nature doesn't make him a better quarterback. It, it, it makes him an authentic quarterback and an authentic leader is by default, in my opinion, a better leader. So how about I think-
1: this? Let's look at it this way. Will Levis fits better with Mike Vrabel than any other quarterback that Mike Vrabel has really had as far as personality goes, in my opinion, because m- his personality, his competitive drive, his fieriness, who does that remind you of? And Not the skill, what quarterback does that kind of remind you of that Mike Vrabel played with? And that's to say that Ryan Ryan Tannehill was never really that guy. He's not he a rubber rock. He was he, a good leader. I thought. I think Ryan Tannehill is yeah. a very good leader, very well liked person. He's not the fiery kind of guy. But you, we we talk about Marcus, Marcus and Mike Vrabel were not a good match. And really, I see uh, PBK. He wants to shit on Bryce Young. Bryce Young and Nick Saban, very good match. Bryce yeah. Young yeah. and the losers they have in pan- the Carolina Panthers, not a very good match because Bryce Young is a competitor, but he's not the fiery guy. Right, right. And so, right. like, they, they, it's all about, to me, it's like, how does your quarterback's personality and competitive competitiveness and drive match up with your head coach? I think that's what it has to be because, like, Tom Brady's really fiery. Bill Belichick's really calm. That worked, right? Mike Vrabel's really calm. He's an asshole, but he's really calm. <laughs> Will Levis is fiery. That works because you know what those what those four people had in common: the competitive drive to be the best. Yeah, oh yeah. Whatever they do,
0: yeah. And and honestly, like I think to be a great NFL quarterback and to be a great leader, like you almost automatically have to be an extraordinary competitor. Like that just sort of has to be baked into your DNA or you're not probably going to be good enough. And I will say that, like, I think Tannehill, I don't think Marcus was a bad leader. I think he was very well respected by the people in his locker room. But he, I agree, he didn't match Frabel. And he certainly wasn't going to be th- that type of personality. I also think it changes as the locker room changes. Right now, this is a young team that's going to have a, a bunch of new faces probably in the locker room next year. And so you might need a more vocal leader on the Like Kevin Byard's gone. Like Kevin Byard, you didn't need a vocal leader if you have Kevin Byard and Kevin Simmons uh, and Jeffrey Simmons telling everybody what to do and getting the fire going. Like, But you have one of those voices out of the locker room now. Derrick Henry's aging and may not be on the team next year. Tajay Spears, I'll, I'll dis- I I'll don't know if you meant this, uh, Stoney, but he says Tajay seems like the ice to, to Levis's fire. Call this group Game of Thrones. I think Tajay Spears is a chatterbox. <laughs> like he. He's like Levis and that he's going to be constantly like, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And again, as long as that is true to who he is, then that will make him a good leader. I, I think you don't want to make Derrick Henry be the ru ra guy. Like, you don't want that. Um, and it doesn't make him any less of a competitor. So I, I think you, you can separate competitive and fiery and quiet and leadership, and they can all be separate. But I think the most important thing through all of it is authenticity. And then, yes, I agree with you. Is there alignment, right? Like some alignment with your leadership style and your head coach's style. And I think that can, that's probably undervalued, honestly, in these conversations. Like I look at Mike McCarthy and I'm like, you have zero leadership style at all for for the Dallas Cowboys. And I know this as a Packers fan, (laughs) I don't, I don't think. Ah, uh, QC. What about Dillard? We'll he
1: seems like a different
0: Mike McCarthy this year, for whatever
1: reason. Like I in guess. the press conferences, in the energy that he's bringing. I'm not saying that he's like that, that. What you're saying is not true. Just it just seems like a weird year for Mike McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe he's on drugs. Maybe he's been replaced by a Lizard Person. <laughs> I don't know. But he
0: seems very different. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. I think ultimately, now uh, the last part of it is. You don't want it to cause you any trouble on the field. Like you got to make sure it's it's harnessed and directed and contained. It's like uh, I'm sure you have like a Marvel analogy for me here where like there's a power source that like it's got to be in the right equipment for it to maximize its its power. And as long as Levis does that, then I think it's going to serve him very well. We we know that he was well liked in, in the locker room gauntlet. of Kentucky. There you go. Yeah, like the stone will kill you if you touch it, but if you put it in the glove, you're you're great, right? Is that is that what yeah. we're getting at? Did I yeah. get that right?
1: Yeah, and Will and Will Levis is, I, I don't think, that guy because most of his stuff is coming off the field to his own bench. He's not a Bradley Chubb, throw your helmet down. He's not a Kayvon Wallace doing something, you know, stupid like that. It's right. always gonna right. be he's more mad at himself. And I think that's really good. Like, I think that. You know, they're the, this, I think most fan bases, but specifically the Titans fan base has a real hard problem critiquing their quarterbacks that they like. Now, if they don't like the quarterback, they'll, they'll critique them all day long, but they have a real hard time critiquing. I like that Will Levis knows that, like, I did not have a good game. I am I am mad at myself because that I know that he's going to go back and not blame everybody else around him or think it's the offensive line's fault, pass catching's fault. He's going to go fix and control what he can control. And I think that's really good because it also lets you know as an analyst when you're looking at these games and you're saying, well, you know, he wasn't that good at this spot and he wasn't that good at that spot. You know that he's looking at the same film that you're looking at and thinking that he... Was not that good. And that's the difference, I think, between uh, someone like uh, Will Levis and previous quarterbacks that have been Tennessee
0: Titans. I I think what I get at with harnessing the the stuff in the right direction is more less less. And I agree with everything you just said. I I think it's more about, you know, you see a a basketball player miss a shot and then come back and plays defense a little too hard because he's emotional. Right. And all of a sudden he picks up a foul. It's well, not, it's, and, and I, Will I don't Levis mean, like
1: making those runs, right? Like, after something and that Will Levis after Will Levis throws an interception, he's going to hurling his body at a defender to exactly get, that. Exactly. That is kind of what you're alluding to is the same thing as like playing defense a little too hard, or like, like you I, miss a shot, then you go in and cause a foul or something, right?
0: Or, or like again, I like remember what during the, the quarterback documentary with Mahomes and Max Crosby, like going at it with each other, you know, like in that yeah. one game, it's like. You want it to fuel you, fuel you and drive you and and help you like reach this like elevated state of foot, football play, but there is a point where there's diminishing returns, right? Like it can all of a sudden the ball goes too far because, and I'm not talking about personal foul stuff where you are are an asshole and being dumb. I'm saying like you're just so pumped and pissed off and angry and emotional. that All of a sudden the ball went two yards too far, and when you play quarterback, the margins are so small that you still kind of have to keep it when you're throwing the football into double coverage or whatever, like you got to keep it pretty smooth and, and calm and clean. And this leads me right into the wins versus the draft pick conversation because, uh, sinkers beverages, Kingston group are great sponsors. Of course, make sure you check them out. Uh, Uber eats, uh, have sinkers beverages, deliver that boost directly to your house. Zach will
1: drive. You a drink.
0: There you go. Kingston group, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm, just remember the name, Kingston Group, BuildKG.com. You'll absolutely not regret it. Just have a conversation with them um, uh, always. So I know we've had this conversation a million times, but I want to add one thing to it because it, I just already, I kind of already alluded to it, that that the, the things that you can gain, and we've talked a lot about the fan base, right? Like enjoying the win versus in, wanting to move up in the draft. And those are, that's a normal debate for a fan. But I think inside the locker room, the proof of concept that will Levis now has. And again, listening to Harold Landry talk about how he learned something about his quarterback through that win over Miami, like that. I didn't, Hey, I didn't know that about him. I'm, I'm learning this. Like, I I think there are the value of those experiences are so much greater for the inside the locker room. than than the p- picking ninth versus 14th or picking sixth versus 11th or like, Certainly it's fun as a fan to watch a win. I get it. But like inside the locker room there is incredible value to Will Levis gaining confidence, the team gaining confidence in him, him developing his leadership style, his emotion, all that stuff. Like I I just think it's so much more important for them to sort of get some proof of concept. Doesn't mean they need to win every game and move and go to like 9 and 8 <laughs> or whatever because could, they're not though. And and again, if we're talking play, you want to get into the playoffs, then we can have that conversation. And maybe there's an ch- outside shot. I don't think so. But uh, Donnie, uh, Landry said that when he came off the field, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, so don't quote me. But when Levis came off the field, showing all that incredible emotion, it's when he took his helmet off and he was screaming and they had just taken the lead 28-27, that Landry was like, holy cow. I didn't know that's how he like how he could be because they hadn't seen that yet. Like there was no situation in which he was going to be like that. And so le- what, what happened in that moment is a defensive player fed off of that energy and emotion uh, from Will Levis and went out there and got us and helped him get a stop. Is it the reason? No, it's not the reason they got the stop, but like, is it a moment? Is it a kernel of growth and progression and whatever that allows this team to get better next year be- through the process of winning? I, I think that is, we have not had that part of the conversation yet about draft pick versus Versus winning.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. Winning helps, but you're this far into the season. I I think it's kind of like overplayed a little bit. I I think the performance of the the individual performance of the players that are going to be here next year matters more than wins or draft slot. Like that's what matters more. It doesn't, and because you want win or loss, you want Levis to progress and Levis to be the Levis you saw in Miami. Win or lose doesn't matter. You want Harold Landry to continue to transcend and get better and healthier, further removed, and win or lose, you still want it. Win or lose, you want Tajay Spears to keep showing that he's explosive, can be durable, blah, blah, blah. So to me, while, yes, wins are probably very psychological in nature, like, okay, well, we went on a big win streak. Let's say they win out. I I could totally see how... We went on a win streak and uh, we ended nine and eight with no whenever I thought we were going to be number, picking three in the draft. This is really great for the team. It really shows our resilience. Ball, ball, ball. But then on the flip side, let's say you lose out, but you get these individual performances that every week you see the progression. You say, hey, listen, you know, we didn't win. We all fought hard, and this is something that we can still build on for next year because we're going to have our franchise quarterback. We're going to bring back the our star wide receiver and DeAndre Hopkins. We're going to have Ty's J Spears, Harold Landry, you know, blah blah blah. We're going to have this stuff to build on and a hundred million dollars in cap. Like I get, I get what you're saying because your premise is kind of like what we talked about with the good loss the psychological nature of the player itself. So I agree that wins cure winning cures everything, right? Winning cures everything. But as far as what is better for the long-term outlook of the franchise, probably draft slots as long as the players that you need to progress progresses because you you have so much. The Titans have so much they have to fix and with the franchise quarterback, with with Tajay Spears, with DeAndre Hopkins coming back, with Harold Landry progressing, with Jeffrey Simmons going to be back next year, you still have a bunch of holes. So we gotta we gotta fill as many holes as possible with quality players. And the best way to do that is to pick high in the draft. Does not necessarily mean you have to pick top three or top five or anything like that, but you need to pick higher than people that are already better than you. Ahead of you, because like if you lose out or if you win out and the Bengals lose out, the Bengals are getting a better draft pick than you are. And the Bengals are already a better team. Bill, same way. Like there are teams that you're floating around. There are teams that you're floating around that we know are better than Tennessee Titans right now that just had a rough year in some weird form or fashion that they are going to pick better players than you technically and maybe even players that you need. So good good news
0: Good news: Cincinnati and Buffalo will not be drafting a receiver. Uh, that's the good news. Um, but maybe unless they line. let
1: Tee Higgins go, you never yeah, know.
0: Maybe offensive line. Here, I guess ultimately Tee Higgins
1: and Tyler Boyd are both free agents. That's
0: true. That's true. So this is ultimately far more uh, tangible. It's a very college.
1: complicated thing.
0: It, it is, and and I I will disagree on the like. I, this is far more tangible in the college game. What happens in the college game, and Florida State is the example. So bear with me here. Florida State last year was in year two of Mike Norvell as a coach. They started the season kind of slow. Not not this year, 13-0, but last year. They started the season kind of slow, and I don't remember exactly what the number was. I think they were like three and three, something like that, or, or, or whatever it was. And what happened is, in year two, the message and the culture and the, the structure and the quarterback development, it all started to take root. And in, in about week six, they went on a like a six-game winning streak. And they finished the season with six straight wins. Now, they were not a great team. They were not an elite team. They were like a nine and three team, but they finished the year with six straight wins. That clearly was a part of their 13 and 0 run this year. Like that, that, that winning and learning how to be a champion and learning how to be good and learning how to finish games. And it's certainly way more tangible with 18 to 22 year olds than professionals. I am not arguing yeah, about to say,
1: because we talk about all the time how that kind of stuff so. does matter as much to a professional team. Abs-
0: absolutely, but with this particular Titans team, where you have five rookies starting on the offense, and uh, there, there are like, and I don't have it in front of me. If you if you if you happen to can find the 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 ages of the teams in the NFL. I'd love to know, because I was watching the Packers-Giants game at the same time, and the Giants have the youngest defense in the NFL, and the Packers have the youngest offense in the NFL. And one of the big things that, like, in my friend group talking about the Packers and my family is that they, they have like 11 first- and second-year players, and some of those guys are going to end up being starters, and they've got to learn how to win together because they're all rookies and first-year players. If you look at this offense, I think it is more important for this particular Titans offense than ever before to sort of learn how to be like champions, not the right word, but like learn how to be a winner and learn how to finish games the way they did on Monday night, because you have a rookie quarterback and a rookie running back and a rookie left tackle and a rookie left guard and a rookie tight end. Like those players need that experience more than way more than like almost everybody else in the NFL. Right. Like I, I acknowledge that it's way bigger in college. But I think there are some teams in the NFL where that is valuable to them. And I think you could argue if they go like, I don't know what, if they go, you know, three and two down the stretch, right? I think you could argue that will help them win games next year as much as picking ninth instead of 14th, if that makes sense. And certainly the fans can make up You got to have the
1: players to do it, man. You got to have the players to win. And this team is is in desperate need of high-end talent uh, any way that it can get it.
0: I don't disagree. It's I don't disagree. Easy,
1: it's much it's much easier to do that and to than anything else
0: with the Calvin Ridley's drafted. the receiver I want. All you guys just keep hit p- p- pounding the comments with T Higgins. Calvin Ridley's the guy I want, but that's just here it's neither here nor there. Here, here,
1: here's where I'm at because this is kind of where I'm at with the draft. Uh I'll take anybody.
0: <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I'll take um, anybody
1: that that pushes Nick westbrook Keene out. That pushes Traylon Burks out, that pushes Chris Mm. Moore out. I'll take anybody that pushes uh, uh, Trevon Wesco out. I'll take anybody that pushes Andre Dillard, Jalen Duggan. I'll take anybody that can help this team. If that's T. Higgins, Brendan IU, Calvin Ridley, uh, Mike Evans, uh, Jalen Johnson on defense. I don't care who it is. I'm not going to be choosy as long as it's not like fucking Jacoby Myers or Nick Westbrook and again, <laughs> or Chris Moore or Chris Conley bring in some dudes. That's what I want. You know, I don't I, care who it
0: is. I, I agree. And you and Herndon, by the way, go check out football and other efforts. You guys did a good exercise. I think it was the 2020 draft class where mm-hmm. it was Henry Ruggs, Jerry, Judy, Jalen Rager. Um, uh, Brandon, I, Justin Damn. Jefferson, and there's one other like really great one that I lamb. missed in there, CD lamb and like rugs and Judy were the first two and they were picked kind of in that like eight and 15 range. And then CD lamb, Justin Jefferson and Brandon, Ayuk were between like 17 and 23. So, y- you know, you could also draft Traylon Burks at 16. <laughs> so, so like it, yeah. it is like a lot of up and down. You need good players. There's no question about it, but here's the great news for Titans fans. I, to me, I think it's win-win. It's win no matter what happens. If you win... I yeah, right
1: actually, now, if you're winning because of Will Levis and not losing because of Will Levis, it is a win-win situation. I think that's the big like the Colts difference ga- the, between a win or a loss. is like game. if you lose a game and it's clearly you lost a game because of Will Levis. So that's not the Colts loss because you clearly lost a right. game because Sean Murphy Bunning had his thumb up his ass and Christian Fulton couldn't do, stop anybody either. So you clearly like when you look at a loss and you clearly think that is Will Levis. And I don't think there has been that loss. You haven't won because of Will Levis until the Miami game and the Falcons game. You could argue maybe the Falcons game is just because the Falcons are kind of shitty compared to the Tennessee Titans. But you, you got to find the, that to me is like win, win. I'm okay with, um, losing on draft picks as long as will levis continues to show that he is the
0: guy yeah and i I was i was using the colts as like that's an example of what you're saying which is yeah yeah, they lost the game but it there was progress there was growth or whatever now uh, ideally you do that without losing your best two players to injury (laughs) in the the future but you know what that means jeffrey simmons will be more rested for next year i guess is what that means um but so again i think you're in a win-win to your point as long as lev it's not levis's fault like Four interception game or whatever, where he's just clearly and it, and there's th- that could happen. There, there could be a moment where that happens, but I think you're in. A, if you win, obviously it's fun. It's a great Saturday. It's or it's a great Sunday, and you had a great win and you had a great time and you enjoyed it as a fan. And your team learned a young offense learned how to win and score points. Positive. If you lose, you get a better draft pick. <laughs> okay, you're in a win-win situation. I think if you're a fan right now because because you have the quarterback. That, that, is, that changes the entire dynamics. If this is changes not about thing, if it wasn't about Levis, then I'd be like, suck, lose games. You need a quarterback, you know? You, you have a play. clear
1: plan in when you hit the offseason. Like yeah. right now, yeah. like the plan is so crystal clear that, okay, hey, you guys tried some stuff this past year. It didn't really work out. You couldn't take advantage of it even. But then you put in your young quarterback and he was able to take advantage of things. Now we build upon that. and get better at key spots.
0: So having the plan, speaking of the plan, we will talk about the plan, build the plan for the game against the Houston Texans brought to you by the Kingston Group. We will wrap up the show with a look ahead to the matchup against Houston, of course, um, where it'll largely look like two Houston franchises on the same football field. One will look way better than the other one. No idea how healthy The Houston Texans will be, but that will be, of course, brought to you by the Kingston Group coming up in just a second. Sinkers Beverages, of course, remember them as well. Support good local business in this town. Uh, Search Sinkers Beverages on Uber Eats. They'll send the booze directly to your house while you're watching your favorite football games uh, on Sunday, uh, including the Tennessee Titans. But one of those, what's the plan in the offseason? We've asked a lot of questions about this team. They need to figure out answers. That's the goal. Is Harold Landry, who I believe, and I, I think it was, was it you or Mike who tweeted it out? I think it was maybe Mike who tweeted it out. That over the last 30 games, um, on a per-game basis, Harold Landry is a top 15 sack artist right now. I think 12th or 13th, I think, um, in the NFL. And and he is starting. You can see a visible difference in the knee and the explosiveness and the burst off the edge. We're starting to be a little plus year and and three months out from the, the ACL tear. Uh, do you think we've found an answer? I'm, I'm not saying he's an elite number one edge rusher. That's not what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. But what's, me, what's the question? I guess I, I was, I waited till we were on the show to ask you the question. You just said, has Harold Landry become an answer? And I have no clue what the fucking question is.
0: <laughs> well, all the questions that we like, uh, I mean that in the broad sense of like, all right, our goal for this team was to answer questions, right? It's about all different players and position groups and everything. And the, the, the question to me is at the first half of the season was, ah, oh, it looks like he's lost a step. Is that just injury or is he a different player? And I think the question is, is, well, is Harold Landry back to being, and can he continue to sustain being a top 15 sack edge player the way his numbers indicate he's been over the last 30 games? Can he Has he answered that injury question permanently, as long as he's healthy, I guess, and just say, we got one of those spots locked down now, and we've got a guy who can come off the edge and get pressure like he used to like before he got paid?
1: Yeah, it's very unlikely that he'd be in the top 15 if he had played last year. So, um, you know, I kind of don't play into that top 30 thing um, as or top 15, whatever it was that Mike Mike put in there. Um, But I mean, he's he's here's the answer to the Harold Landry question is Arden Key good enough to let Harold Landry become Harold Landry and Arden Key is apparently good enough to be that guy. He's still, uh, I think last I checked, he was top seven in pass rush. When where win rate Arden key was Harold Landry was not in that list. Um, so right now, I think the, the biggest answer was, or I think the biggest question going in, it was how would Arden key be able to help this defense? And cause we know that the 2021 season uh, where Harold Landry racked up a bunch of sacks, he racked up over, I think it was like ninety percent of his sacks came with Bud Dupree on the opposite side. yeah, so we we have discovered that, yes, Arden Key can do what Bud Dupree did, and that's be a force multiplier. It's not to take anything away from Harold Landry, but we have known that Harold Landry is a cleanup sack artist. Um, so I, I to answer your, I guess your question, is that the Titans still need a number one edge rusher, and that is not Harold Landry, and that is not Arden Key. So I think that was our real question going uh, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about was they need a number one edge guy, and they still need that guy because that's what Harold Landry needs to be successful is someone on the opposite side of him that can take away pressure from him to let him do what he needs to do.
0: Uh, most sacks per game since twenty twenty one, minimum thirty games. Harold Landry, number twelve point six eight behind Max Crosby, Chris Jones, Khalil Mack, ahead of Joey Bosa, Rashawn Gary, Brian Burns. Rashawn Gary also injured uh, for a big chunk of that time, uh, as well in that in that again. That's just uh, it's just I think it's you can tell and see a difference in his game the last few weeks, and that's a positive development. I think you you're right. There still needs to be a, a a focus on finding the dude, the Miles Garrett, TJ Watt. But most of those guys are top of the draft kind of guys. And I don't think this team, I think somebody earlier in the comments, I forget who said it about talk. Maybe it was Stoney talking about like, hey, can we focus on defense in the first round? And we got all offseason to talk about that. But that's, you know, corner and edge We are the two that you would normally think of in the top 15, top 10, sort of that that elite playmaker. Um, And I think that's certainly something Mike Grable and Rand Carthon would consider, but you don't find those types of players very often as like diamonds in the rough kind of guys. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, Maybe corner is easier to find later in the draft than, than pass rusher, but most of the great pass rushers on that list, like you pull up that list. I just read miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, like Khalil Mack, Chris Jones, Max Crosby, Joey Bosa, Rashawn Gary. Like, I think all those guys were top 15 picks, I think.
1: Uh, um, Chris Jones was not. He was second round. Second because, round? Uh, okay. the Titans could have had Chris Jones, and they decided not to. I think they went Kevin <laughs> Dodd instead. Um, I think that was – but he was definitely second round, if I'm not mistaken. Um, see, Chris Jones, uh, you said Max Crosby, who was definitely not in the first definitely round. Not. He was third or fourth round, if I'm not mistaken. And he was the guy – on my uh, list that year that he was uh, drafted, he w- he was a third or fourth round guy. Uh, Rashawn Gary was he first round? He
0: was like the eleventh overall pick. Round. He was Rashawn like the eleventh. 11th- yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I don't know why I thought maybe that was a surprise pick that year that he went that high.
0: It, I think he, I think it was, and I that was the year that the draft was here actually uh, in Nashville. It's also part of why I, I remember that. And as a Packers fan, I I think uh, maybe not eleventh. Let me double check. Twelfth, twelfth overall. Sorry, I was wrong. Twelfth overall. Sorry, Sorry. but um, yeah,
1: I mean, and Harold Landry, second round. I mean, yeah, there you go. there's a guy on the list as well.
0: Tj so, I mean, Watt was the Tj Watt was a thirtieth overall pick. So yeah,
1: so they they, they were there. I think Micah Parsons t- was eleven, right? Well, I think he was pick eleven. If I'm not yeah, mistaken, yeah, sounds right. But so that I means you can, you know, obviously find other guys, but they they need. You're right in the sense that they need the guy. Like they they need to find that guy. That guy's still not Harold Landry, and everybody can, and he's still overpaid. There you
0: go, uh, Hassan. My, my
1: stance is not. My stance has not changed. <laughs> okay,
0: no, no. I, I think I think you're right. The, the Hassan Redick was the 13th overall pick uh, in the draft. I don't know where Brian. Yeah, he Burns took was...
1: forever to develop. By the yeah, way. he did. So, and again, I I would say yeah. some of these
0: guys. Uh, Brian Burns was the 16th overall pick in the draft. Um, and again, like I, Matthew Judon is on this list, and he's the one that's like a fifth rounder. Like he doesn't qualify in this conversation. But I, I also wouldn't put Matthew Judon in the same category as Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. You know what I mean? Like from like yeah, a no, yeah, like a sustainable. And I wouldn't put Harold Landry
1: in that category either. Right.
0: Right. Right. right exactly. I would exactly.
1: put I would put Max Crosby in that category, and he was yep. the
0: fourth round. Yep, I I would say that Harold Landry was the second round pick of those players. <laughs> which is right where he was taken in the draft. Um, But I do think he's answering. I do think he's, I mean, it's, it's a very positive development that he's starting to show old Landry pre injury Landry burst a little bit because that's a huge development for the team. And it means maybe you don't have to focus as much on edge in, in the, in the draft. You can maybe survive with an Arden key type of guy, allowing him to kind of force multiply on the other side for one more year. While you while you get your left tackle, right tackle receiver problem fixed this year, you know, so but lots of time in the offseason to to discuss that. Um, Okay, let's let's take a look at the plan to beat the Houston Texans who are coming to town pissed off because we're wearing their uniforms. Uh, And I'll say we because it's my favorite uniform in the NFL. Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group making a plan for the Texans. Look, this is a very injured team that just gave up 30 points to the Jets. I know that Stroud and Anderson and a bunch of other guys didn't practice this past week. Uh, I don't know what the practice report is as of time of taping, uh, but I well, think Steve there's
1: Stroud a Stroud did not uh, practice today. They're not ruling him out yet, but if he does not, if he does not practice Friday and Saturday, he cannot play. Uh, Will Anderson uh, is likely he's in a walking boot, boot diagnosed with a high ankle sprain. So even if he does play, uh, which he has not practiced, he's going to be you know, half the man that he usually is. Nico Collins was, is wanting to play, but he's not practicing. Uh, Blake Cashman is also not practicing. That's not to mention, you know, Tankdale, Titus Howard are also on IR. Tunsil and Fant are also going through some injuries right now. They're playing through injuries. Uh, You know, it's, it's, it's a grim outlook for the, for the Houston Texans heading into this game. And (laughs) at this point, the 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 key to 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 win is like don't suck like <laughs> there you go i mean that's that's the key is like it's kind of like when you play the pan- if you're if you're playing a team like stroud and anderson and yeah. no nico collins yeah. and all that kind of stuff if you're without the quarterback one the wide receiver one the defensive end one the the middle linebacker one and your offensive line is a little banged up and you're playing you're, you're on your third center if i'm not mistaken as well it's like playing the panthers you can't lose this game. Yeah. Like, you can, but you can't. You yeah, get yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. as a team, the Tennessee Titans should not lose this game. They're they're at home. They have all these injuries on the other side. And then you also have uh, – you're in the Oilers uniforms. Like, if you're the Oilers, you cannot lose this game against the Houston Texans.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, I I want to continue to see the team build around – Spears, Levis and Hopkins on offense. Like that's what worked so well last week. Continue to build on that. And if I like, I'm so glad that it took us 54. Oh, I guess I did mention Traylon Burks earlier in the show, but that was only in, in the form of referencing him as a bad pick. So um, uh, we have not discussed the Traylon Burks clear out route thing. It's not going to be a part of the show, but it, if, that al- if that allows Deandre Hopkins to continually run those crossing routes, like they did on the second, on the last drive there where he's just wide open for 35 yards uh, keep giving the football to Spears and Hopkins. Keep allowing Will Levis to sort of play through his emotion and let that work. Take some deep shots, like take some, do the quick passing game, and and sure, like Derrick Henry for all of his flaws and all of his slowing down of his game and everything, like the guy's still averaging over four yards of carry and has scored six touchdowns in the last three games. So, still use him as a finisher. You know, you can still use him as a finisher, and I think that you can do that against this Texans team. So, I, I think they need to just. I don't think you have to play as perfect a game on defense as they did against Miami, but, but let's be very clear. Like part of the reason they won that game is Miami was flat, dude. Like they had no emotion. They had no like intensity. They were like lean into the fact that you've got a a fiery quarterback and a fiery running back and you know, a quiet, confident leader in Deandre Hopkins lean into that stuff. I know that's not like football X's and O's scheme strategy, but like, lean into the fact that you're that type of team now because it clearly it clearly was a part of the loss for miami miami had no energy there was nothing there. right
1: well i mean here's here's this is a great gr- even with will anderson blake cashman this is still a great matchup for the tennessee titans and here's why and for this tennessee titans offense the tennessee tight or the tennessee the Houston Texans. Have, or had run the ninth most zone coverage 79% of their coverages are zone and if you look at what the tennessee titans wide receivers do versus zone it is an incredible amount better i mean just to put it in perspective um uh, we got 79 routes run I get for DeAndre Hopkins in man coverage. He has gotten 182 receiving yards on those 79 route run, 299 routes run for DeAndre Hopkins in zone coverage, 716 yards, 43 for 716 yards
0: in zone. How many of those 700 yards were on like nine yard out routes? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh,
1: I, well, I will say this 79.7% of those receiving yards. I just said the 7, 716 are air yards. So like there is no yards after catch. pretty Right, much. right. Like, it,
0: yeah. but uh, those I, zone, I
1: don't know. That's not up here. So you're asking a question. I can't, no, no, it was, it was, reason. it was sort of,
0: it was sort of rhetorical because it seems like that's anyway, the play. Texas
1: plays zone coverage at a top 10 rate. Okay. So we got that. Houston has allowed an explosive play at 14.3% rate on zone coverage snaps, which is the ninth worst rate and ranks among the 10 worst teams in yards allowed per coverage snap, 6.7 in yards per coverage target, 8.2 on zone. This is all from PFF. So DeAndre Hopkins, we're talking about this team, this Tennessee Titans team is getting explosives basically on zone coverage already, and they're about to face the ninth-worst team in explosive play rate in zone coverage that runs predominantly zone coverage. There's really no, no, no reason. The Tennessee Titans, and I'm going to predict it right now, right here, coming off the Miami Dolphins win with a banged-up or er, Houston Texans and wearing the Oilers uniforms at home, they're scoring 30 points this
0: weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Stone, I guarantee it. It's bold, dude. It's bold. Uh, When's the last time that happened? (laughs) A long, uh, I think like 2021? Yeah, it's bad.
1: I think it was against the Dolphins in 2021, if I'm not mistaken.
0: It's bad. So Houston Texans are fifth in the NFL in hurry percentage uh, in terms of pressuring the quarterback. Uh, They are sixth in the NFL in pressure percentage. Uh, So they, they, they have gotten after the quarterback, but that is, I assume... Will Anderson is a chunk of that, and the linebacking core is a chunk of that, uh, I imagine. So that's something to keep an eye on uh, as well. So are they going to play zone, and then is it just zone blitzes all the time? Like, what what exactly are they going to do? Uh, because they do not blitz a lot. Of course, 22.4% of the time, that's a bottom eight team in the league. So they play zone, they don't blitz, but they get pressure. But one of their best pass rushers is out for the game. So yeah, y- you'd like to think that you can slide some protection and help your quarterback compete some of those passes. I was, I was joking about the hunt, the Hopkins thing, because it feels like if they go to zone, they can just automatically throw nine yard outs, 12 yard outs, 14 yard outs, six yard outs. They just, they threw them all camp and they've thrown also, them all season. We
1: haven't really heard a lot of this, which is kind of surprising. Cause this is usually the, like the big topic of the week. This is a Deandre Hopkins revenge game. Oh yeah, that's true. What are we thinking? We really, really talked about that. Tim <laughs> Kelly revenge game. Mike Rabel Re- revenge, revenge, revenge game. <laughs> well, Mike Rabel left on his own accord, so it's not really a revenge game for him. But this is a Tim Kelly, uh, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins revenge game.
0: Is is this? Uh, is Ben Jones going to be the the man in the locker room to, to to give the speech? The revenge game there, and then I don't know. That'd be pretty cool if they did. <laughs> uh, Bud Adams revenge game. <laughs> yeah, they're doing
1: a. Bi- I guess it's Billy White She's Johnson is the uh, guy that's the motivator this week.
0: Oh that's cool. All right, last last thing here uh to wrap this up cuz I think there's a very good chance that the Titans can win this game. I, I think they to your point if all those guys are out, they're at home wearing these uniforms coming off that performance, you've got to build on it. You you got to build on what what took place on Monday night. Uh here's ultimately the greatest thing that could happen in the history of the NFL. I w- if Mike like if we could just get the, the the Bum Phillips hat on the sideline even for just warm-ups. I know he's not going to do it. But wouldn't it be the like the most memeable thing in the history of the NFL would be Mike Rabel wearing that hat on the sidelines of a game against the Houston Texans? It would be spectacular. I don't think I he'll do, do it, it. but he, he's supposed to show he said he, he said he'd show up to the stadium dressed up like that, right? Is what he said? Oh I, I don't. I, I have no clue. I think he promised that he would do it and and then I think he said he's got to follow through. So I think he's supposed to show up to the stadium, like, you know, the pregame wardrobe or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he'll put on some, some giant windbreaker before the game, but uh, I don't know. It'd be awesome to see him out there in a vest and a cowboy hat with the headset. It'd be unbelievable. Uh, okay. Well, Sean, thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, Texans fan, Sean, we do appreciate you uh, as usual. All of you guys in the comments were great and spectacular and wonderful sinkers beverages. Kingston group are two great sponsors. Make sure you remember those two names and support them as well. Make sure you check out bluegrass beverages in Hendersonville. Don't go up there right now. But once it's all cleaned up, go support some businesses in Hendersonville and Madison and Clarksville following the tornadoes. Uh, Really important that we do that. But at the right time, uh, make sure you're paying attention to volunteer schedules if you want to get up there and help. Money is always great. United Way of Middle Tennessee is a big one there. Uh, I think Tennesseehelps.com is a website that kind of combines all the different organizations that are working to help that area. So make sure you go check that out Uh, as well. Football and other F-words, Stack in the Inbox. I think I got it all in there, Zach. I think that's everything, right? Uh um, are you, you taking, are you taking the Titans to win ultimately? No. Yeah. Okay. For sure. All right. Titans. At home,
1: sure? the Texans with out CJ Stroud and Nico Collins and tank Dale potentially.
0: Yeah, I'm good. I will not make a prediction just to therefore we don't both agree and then therefore ruin the entire weekend for people. So I'm not going to do that, but, uh, thank you guys for listening. We do appreciate it. Give us a subscription there. On the 440 Sports YouTube page, we really be, do appreciate all you guys who pay attention and, and hang out and listen and, and compete and, uh, you know, uh, contribute to the show. So thank you guys all. We'll talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.